Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> if you're the kind of person who can't get enough of fiction podcasts, then you might be interested to hear that we have just launched a new fiction podcast that focuses on the weirder side of fiction. Tales of what? is a bizarro fiction podcast. It's The Twilight Zone meets Adult Swim, The Outer Limits, directed by David Lynch. It's Franz Kafka doing Creepshow. This podcast will not be for everyone, and that's okay. But if you're a through-and-through weirdo, then this podcast is most definitely for you. The first season of Tales of What is going live as we speak, so go search for it in your favourite podcast app today. Today's episode is The Truth Will Set You Free. Written by Michael David Wilson and narrated by Persephone Rose. Eddie approached the apartment entrance with a mixture of unease and excitement. It had been three years since he'd last seen Victor, and whilst their friendship had faded, he still got giddy thinking about the good times. Eddie pressed the buzzer to apartment 14 and waited. A few seconds later, the intercom hissed harsh static into the cold air. Eddie pushed his mouth towards the metal grill. Victor? He glanced behind to the flats opposite, damned curtain twitchers. Come on, mate, it's freezing out here. A cough on the other end. (laughs) That you, Eddie? Victor's voice cut rough and harsh through the intercom. Of course it's me. You letting me in or what? Discordant crackling disturbed the otherwise quiet street. You come alone. Didn't bring anyone else, did you? It's just me, like we agreed. Silence. 
Eddie hadn't a clue what had gotten to Victor. It used to be you couldn't shut the guy up, but first on the phone, now at the apartment, everything was so fragmented. All right, fine, Victor said. An electronic bleat followed, and the entrance door unlocked. Inside, it was poorly lit, with few windows, the interiors decorated in reds and browns. Victor hadn't told Eddie the floor number, but he figured 14 wasn't on the ground, so made his way up the first flight of stairs. Apartments 3, 4, and 5 lay to the right. Apartments 6, 7, and 8 to the left. Up another flight. 9, 10, and 11 to the right. 12, 14, and 15 to the left. He went to knock, stopping when he saw the door was ajar. In the end, he knocked anyway, seemed rude to enter uninvited. I'm in the lounge, Victor called. Eddie pushed the door open. It was even darker inside, the only light coming from down the corridor on the right. When he reached the lounge, he saw Victor, hunched over and cross-legged on the sofa, a towel draped over his head like a badly worn wig. The only light? A standing floor lamp on the other side of the room. The place smelt of garlic and onions. Sorry to call so late and after such a long time. But as you can see, I'm in quite a predicament, Victor said. Eddie surveyed the room. Everything was well organized. The only mess, the pots and pans in the kitchen that attached to the lounge on the right. To the left, a window looked onto the resident's car park. Eddie wasn't sure what he was supposed to be seeing. The only odd things about the situation were Victor's refusal to turn on the main light and his inefficient towel drying. Why not wrap it up like everyone else? About what I told you on the phone, Victor said. It's worse. I downplayed the situation. You only really... Come on. Victor slapped the sofa seat next to him. Rest your legs. Eddie did so, sitting straight. You want a brew? You mean a beer or a tea? Victor shrugged. Take your pick. We got both. We? Victor laughed, but it didn't sound right. Forced and unnatural. A slip of the tongue, but in some ways I propose. Go on. Help yourself to something from the kitchen. Eddie got up off the sofa and entered the kitchen. He reached for the light switch. Is it okay if I... If you what? Turn the light on? Huh? Why wouldn't it be okay? I don't know. I thought you were... Victor straightened. I was... What? It's just odd, is all. I mean, it's so dingy in here. What kind of person doesn't turn the light on? There's a light, isn't there? Victor gestured to the lamp on the far side of the room. Eddie shook his head and flicked the switch, bathing the kitchen in bright light and instantly making the place more welcoming. The tea lay on the kitchen shelf to the right of the sink. A big box of Yorkshire tea, Earl Grey, and... Oh, damn. Victor really had the good stuff. Some aged Pu'er tea. Eddie boiled the kettle and placed a generous helping of tea leaves in the teapot. Once it was ready, he brought the pot, a couple of strainers, and two mugs to the lounge, placing them on the coffee table. 
Should be ready in around four minutes, he said to Victor, like maybe he didn't know how to brew his own tea, though really Eddie was just weirded out by the situation. I didn't want to tell you over the phone, because quite frankly you wouldn't have believed me. This is something you have to see, Victor said, removing the towel from his head. Eddie was taken aback at first. The Victor he'd known had had thick brown hair that ran halfway down his back, but now he wore a French crop halfway between Peaky Blinders and Julius Caesar. Oh, now that is different, Eddie said. But if you'd told me over the phone, I'd have believed you. I know you made a big thing out of your hair, prided yourself on it, but this isn't about the haircut. Look closely, Eddie strained. I'm not sure what I'm meant to... It's falling out, Victor said. I thought it was natural at first. It's perfectly normal to lose a hundred hairs a day, after all. But things escalated. I was losing far more than one hundred. Plus, the hairs that weren't falling out were going all wispy. I'm sorry to hear that, mate. It happens to the best of us. Eddie poured tea for both of them, reclining back on the sofa and sipping his drink. This doesn't just happen. There's something inside me. Eddie almost spat out his tea. Come again? I didn't believe it at first either, but then I saw it, snaking across my belly from the inside. Little movements to begin with. It almost felt relaxing, like a massage, but over the past few weeks it's got stronger hungrier. So you're eating more? I did, until I started putting the pieces together, figuring out how this shit works. Eddie leant forward. Go on. This thing, it's not like you or me. It's not going to be satisfied with burgers and fries and all that shit. So it's health conscious? Less Burger King, more Pret? Eddie's fingers tapped at his jeans, nervous freneticism. Victor scowled, his mouth a rictus. You need to take this seriously and listen to what I'm saying. My hair is falling out. The color in my skin is sucked to gray. My joints are tensing up so bad I've got aches in places I didn't know existed. When it gets cold, my skin starts to crack. Victor held his hand out to Eddie. There are these little crevices that appear on my fingertips, red raw. The hands of time, Victor. No, not the hands of fucking time. Hands! Get them! This time he pushed them so close Eddie could smell garlic and onions wafting off of them. Victor retracted his hands. Sorry. What I'm dealing with here, well, the situation's critical. I must have aged a decade in a few months. I'm sorry to hear that, but, I mean, what do you think I can do? Victor stood up, paced the width of the room. It's a big ask, but 
But what? Oh, shit. I don't know, mate. Maybe it's too much. It's been years, and yet... I mean, I couldn't think of anyone better for the job. Job? Not a job, exactly, but what I want. What I need you to do. I'll come out and say it. I need you to get it out of me. Parasite. This living organism, this leech. I need you to remove it from my body. Now Eddie was on his feet, eyes wide, adrenaline shocking his system. And what in the hell makes you think I'm qualified to do that? You're a doctor. Eddie blinked. I most certainly am not. Sure, you are. You were studying towards it when we first met. I can't tell if you're fucking with me right now or if this is for real. Touché. Definitely having a laugh. Remember it like it was yesterday, Victor says. We met in the windmill on Spawn Street, autumn of 2004. You were wearing a Metallica San Francisco shirt, and I said something like, No way, I was at that show too. I mean, what were the chances of two students in Coventry who had both gone to the San Fran gig stumbling into each other on a night like that? Victor paused, and for a moment, Eddie thought he wanted an answer, but he pressed on. I knew we had something special, even then, you know. Eddie wasn't sure he did know. We got to talking about uni. I told you I was studying sociology first year and asked what you were doing, which was when you said it. Well, mate, in a couple of years, I'll be a doctor. I said that? Absolutely, word for word. You have a remarkable memory, Eddie said. Tell me, what else did I say about being a doctor? Not much. Mostly we just spoke about music. A doctor, Eddie repeated. That's what you said. Wasn't it true? Were you lying to me? Oh, Christ. Where do you work now, anyway? Waldsgrave? University Hospital. Warwick? I work in sales. Victor picked up his cup of tea, sipped. Seems a little... Well, I suppose it's not for me to judge. After all, I took a post-grad accounting course, and where am I now? I genuinely haven't a clue, Eddie said. Digital communications, Victor said. So what do you need to get this thing out of me? I've got all sorts of knives and plenty of alcohol, antiseptics, numbing cream, cabinets full of medicine. You can have a rummage if you want. No. I guess you've got some sort of doctor's bag in your car. A doctor's always prepared, am I right? I'm not a bloody doctor, Eddie said. At least not the type you're talking about. I have a PhD. Victor went quiet, headed into the kitchen area and fixed himself a glass of something green. He brought it back to the lounge and drank. What's that? Eddie asked. Truth serum. Helps me think. He sunk the drink, winced. You know what? Medical doctor or otherwise, 
you're still the only doctor I know, which makes you the most qualified for the job. Don't you think an actual doctor would be more qualified? Why not just ring up your GP? Victor laughed. Mate, I'm not trusting a stranger with this. And besides, this needs to be done tonight. He returned to the kitchen. This time, Eddie followed, watching as Victor prepared a second drink and a second glass. He offered it to Eddie. Go on, you'll need this. No thanks, I've got my... It's truth serum. Nate, it's absinthe. I literally just watched you. It'll help you think. Please. Victor forced the glass into Eddie's hand, who only took it to stop the thing from crashing to the floor. Hands rifling through kitchen drawers, Victor soon slammed a Stanley knife onto the worktop, then grabbed a box of ice from the freezer. It's not exactly ideal, but we can numb the area with the ice, then cut very carefully into the skin. Victor rolled up his t-shirt, tying it in a neat knot, revealing his stomach. See it. I don't think I... Victor's eyes darted to Eddie's glass. Drink the truth serum, for fuck's sake. The sooner you drink that, the sooner you'll understand. Eddie put the glass on the kitchen worktop. Mate, you're losing it. You need help. Yes, Victor shouted. Yes, exactly. Which is why you're here. Eddie backed up, retreating to the lounge. I wish I could help you. Really, I do, but... One way or another, that parasite is coming out of me in the next five minutes. Now, the sensible thing seems to be to get a doctor to do it. But if you won't help me, then I'll have to take matters into my own hands. He picked up the knife. It's your choice, Eddie. What's it gonna be? Eddie looked at the knife, then at Victor, his eyes bloodshot. You're fucking mad, mate, he said then jogged into the corridor towards the apartment door. This isn't a game, Eddie! Eddie turned to face him one last time. Victor gripped the knife in his hand. It was too risky to swipe it from him. Victor's midriff was still exposed thanks to his makeshift crop top. Eddie couldn't help but look. His hand shot for the light switch, flooding the hallway in golden light. What are you doing? Victor said. I think I saw it, Eddie moved closer. At first, it was just pale skin, peppered with wisps of hair. But then, there was no mistaking it. Something bulged beneath the surface. Victor passed Eddie the knife, squeezed his hand. Please, Eddie, I'm begging you. Eddie moved away from the front door. Now in full light, Eddie was beginning to understand. Victor's skin was indeed gray, the hair split and torn in a way that seemed anything but natural, and the rings around his face were surely more than aging. But beyond everything else, he'd seen it move. Victor led Eddie back into the lounge, both glasses of absinthe, or were they truth serum, now drained. Eddie had no recollection of drinking a drop, and yet the evidence was in front of him just as the parasite had been. Go on, Eddie. You know what you have to do. And Eddie did.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Truth Will Set You Free was written by Michael David Wilson, narrated by Persephone Rose, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Uncorps and Sam Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House Design. Michael David Wilson is a professional writer, editor, podcaster, and the founder of thisishorror.co.uk. His debut novella, The Girl in the Video, will be published on April the 28th by Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing, and House of Bad Memories will be published in 2021 by Grindhouse Press. Connect with Michael at www.michaeldavidwilson.co.uk or at WilsonTheWriter on Twitter. If you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, until next time. 